We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Greetings and happy holidays. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Mike Pareka, the 2019 FFPC main event $500,000 grand prize winner. He outlasted nearly 2,400 other teams en route to his massive payday. In this episode, we discuss what it was like sweating it out on Monday night, his roster management before waivers locked for the season, and his general draft philosophy as well. You can follow Mike on Twitter at MikePOR21. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is 2019 FFPC main event $500,000 grand prize winner, Mike Poraka. Pleased to be joined by the newest half-a-millionaire in uh, the 2019 FFPC main event overall champion, Mr. Mike Poreca. Mike, congratulations on the big victory on Monday night. Thank you very much, sir. You, uh, uh, you had a long weekend from <laughs> Saturday game, Sunday, and Monday, but uh, it was worth the wait. And and you're probably, I'm like, um, over the weekend, you probably got, what, an hour and a half of sleep, roughly? Yeah, I started... Um, 
Saturday night, I, I don't know if you had my roster in front of you, but I had the Niners D and Higby going in that Saturday night game. So, uh, like, Higby got hurt, like, right before halftime, and I was like, oh, no. But uh, once he came back in, he had a good game. I got the defensive touchdown. I'm like, all right, I'm in this. I have a shot. I, got, I had a good first night. And and to bring to bring the listeners fully behind the curtain here, we were we're recording this on on Christmas Eve, Tuesday morning, Christmas Eve. We were going to record it on Monday morning, but you had actually uh, said, "Hey, can we switch this to Tuesday?" Because it was essentially you and Chris Birchby going for 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 the entire you know kit and caboodle. You had roughly, I think it was an eleven plus point lead with Aaron Jones, and he had he was obviously down eleven plus, and he had Stephon Diggs. And, um, you know, th- th- this is it turned into quite the battle after Diggs got that early touchdown. What were you thinking when, when you saw him get into the end zone uh, when he essentially stole that ball away from Jair Alexander in the corner of the end zone? Yeah, it was uh, – well, A, I, I knew the big risk factor with Aaron Jones, even though I, I love him, he's explosive. But sometimes when they pulled him in some games, like I know that one game he dropped that one pass or got intercepted, deflected, and then they, they – barely played him so uh when he fumbled the opening drive and dig scored early i was like this is not trending the right way i uh i dug out an old sterling sharp jersey um i haven't worn in 15 years or something like that whatever i had i put that on for good luck and as soon as dig scored i, I tore the jersey off and i'm like all right it's a bad <laughs> so okay, so now you and I were well. I mean, I was I was gunning for something much uh, at a lesser stakes than you were, but I was rooting for Aaron Jones hard last night. I felt after I saw the first drive, I'm like, okay, two catches. You know, this they're getting him involved early, and then I'm with you. Like he fumbled. We saw Jamal Williams came in, and then and then even at the end of the first half, when they're going in that 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 sort of two minute offense, it was Jamal Williams out there again. Um, yes. And and so it was totally frustrating. I want to say at half, he probably had like seven or eight points. How were you feeling at, at that point, knowing that, you know, you, you were still in a good spot, but it, it could, you know, as that Diggs touchdown proved, that spot could change pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I, I was infuriated. I don't know if, because if you saw like that third pass he threw to Jones, it was a little behind him. It was wide open and he didn't catch it. And like he never threw the ball to him again, like the whole rest of the game. So I was like, all right, are they did they not trust him in the passing game or is Williams in there for pass blocking because, you know, Rodgers was getting sacked. But, um, you know, once the Packers went in the game, went into halftime down, I wanted them to be trailing because I knew if the Packers were winning, it's more likely, you know, Cousins and Diggs would be throwing more. So I, could, I, I wanted that game to stay low scoring, no shootout, grind it out, you know, boring, ugly game. And it wound up turning out that way in the fourth quarter. Mike, um, when when you saw that that second the second Aaron Jones touchdown, where I mean he I mean it was like whatever it was, uh, you know it was like a twelve point play essentially, which really cemented it for you. Um, what t- just take me sort of through your mindset as you're watching that play and you see him bust through the Vikings defense? It's like I immediately like jumped off my couch once once I saw him break clear, and then once he started slowing down. I started to think, like, if you saw Miles Sanders night before, I'm like, oh, my God, he better not, like, lay down just to work clock. Like, get in the end zone. Like, what are you doing? So, yeah, once he got through it, then I was like, okay, this is good. I was, like, hoping the Vikings would just give up, quit, pull their starters, because they, they really had nothing much to play for. 
But who, who did you who did you watch the game with? I mean, were you by yourself, kind of locked away in, in in your living room, but you know, just sweating it out on your own, or did you know who knew what was going on with with you uh, as far as the money was concerned on Monday night? Yeah, just just me and the girlfriend here, and yeah, alone. We want to keep everything exactly the same from Saturday and Sunday. Keep the good luck, the good mojo going. So I didn't didn't want to change anything up. <laughs> Very um, superstitious. Exactly. Exactly. So after after the game was over, after it had, you know it was locked in, you you won, uh, you had the victory. Uh, what was the first thing you did? Were you calling anybody? Were you, you know what what, uh, what what was sort of uh, the next step for you? Uh, she got some champagne. She kept it in the car. She didn't want to jinx it. She we had some champagne and uh, like Dave called um, to offer congrats. And uh, yeah, it just didn't seem real. We still we're sitting like, oh my god, I still can't believe. You know, this has happened. Like, I immediately pulled up the picture of the trophy again because I know I've been teasing you for like two years. <laughs> like, I want that trophy. I want that trophy. So, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, congratulations to you. And and I was saying this. Um, yeah, I was talking with with uh, of course uh, FFPC co-founders. You mentioned Dave um, uh, Gerzak and then Alex Kaganowski. And I was saying, you know, I was a, a Chris Birchby is an awesome guy. I, I I was rooting for him. I wanted him to win, but I really wanted you to win because. You have been so close in in these national contests before. I mean, top uh, you have a ton of top fifteen overall finishes. Uh, you know, you and I were exchanging emails, um, and you uh, pointed out you were in first place uh, going in, or second, excuse me, second place going into the final week of the um, Football Guys Players Championship last year. Um, and and the fact that you know, I guess it, it's a different mindset when you're sitting and watching this game, knowing that. Um, you have been so close so many times and then you're, you're kind of waiting for, you know, not waiting for doom, but waiting like, okay, what's going to go wrong this year. And then for, you know, this is the year it all came together and nothing went wrong and you ended up closing it out. Yeah. I, it was very ironic. The team I had last year, which I thought was better or, or more balanced. Um, I had Aaron Jones and Tyler Boyd on that same team and they both got hurt last year in week 15. So I went into week 16 light-handed and if you remember like jamal williams went nuts in week 16 with rogers that game with the jets so if, if aaron jones had played i kept thinking like i would have had those points and i, I would have won last year but like just by random chance this year's team i had aaron jones and tyler boyd on the same team and I'm, I'm like oh my gosh it's like too ironic i'm in the same spot now i have boyd and jones on the same team and they're both healthy and looked at being like prime spot. So, uh, yeah, they lit it up. They, they dropped 60 something points for me. And, uh, yes, yeah, so I, I was on the Packers website last night trying to figure out which Aaron Jones Jersey to order. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. You had a big week this week, 212.65. Uh, you had mentioned uh, Boyd 33.8, Aaron Jones with 30, Michael Thomas, 31.6. Uh, and that, I mean, honestly, like from top to bottom, Julio Jones, 26.6, Tyler Higby, 23.9. Carson Wentz, 22.15. Um, you know, everybody but your defense in double figures, so that was really good uh, for you as well. I don't know if there's anything that you can glean from this or, or learn from from your past uh, in these championship rounds. Is there anything that, um, you know, knowing how close you were before, that maybe you learned from that, um, that, that helped the championship round go your way this year? Or is it just a matter of the players, you know, coming out, performing, staying healthy, and putting up a big score? Yeah, I mean, you just – you got to get lucky. I mean, bottom line, you, you, I had teams that had like Godwin and Dalvin Cook on them. And earlier in the year, I thought like they were like my best chance. But um, 
it just so happened that, you know, what Julio was like, wasn't doing anything for a few weeks there. And I got luck. Calvin Ridley got hurt. Once he got hurt, all of a sudden, like it went back to the old Julio days where they were just peppering him with targets. And, and Michael Thomas was out of his mind. Um, picking up Higby at week 13. Uh, I was lucky enough that I had the most fab budget left. So I was able to pick him up week 13 because tight end was like a dead spot for me all year. And, um, you know, without picking him up, I don't win. I don't think I'd have to go back and try to figure it out. But I mean, he was, he was over 20 points all three weeks, 14, 15, 16. I only had Hollister left. So I, I have to assume that that one move is what won it for me. Yeah, and sometimes it comes down to that, no question. Um, I'm just looking at your lineup here. Obviously, it, it probably stung when, when J- Josh Jacobs was announced that, that he was going to be out this week. You couldn't put him in your lineup. Um, but I'm also looking at, you know, you, Devin Singletary and DK Metcalf, um, two players that a lot of guys had started this week. Um, you kept them on your bench, and it obviously paid off as those guys combined for 5.8 points. Was there any um, – did, did you put any thought into starting either of those guys over, say, somebody like, you know, Jacob Hollister or, or, or anybody like that? Or did the lineup sort of set itself this week after Jacobs was announced that, that he was out? Well, early on, I thought my lineup was set because Hollister against the Cardinals is like the smash spot for tight end. So I'm like, all right, it's set. But then Jacobs was – announced he was out and uh i don't know if you saw like the weather forecast but they were calling for like a monsoon 100 percent chance of rain 25 mile an hour winds in miami for boyd i'm like oh god i, I don't know if i can trust dalton there and then gerald everett was off the injury report full go and practice so everybody was like debating you know it was higby a safe start so yeah i, I was singletary was the one guy i was considering but i just one, one of the things i've learned is in these big stake contest where you're going to potentially regret a decision it's cost you a lot of money thousands of dollars on the line it's like what can you live with what decision can you live with him for me it was like all right do i trust them devin singletary at new england against you know the greatest defensive mind of all time belichick in a potentially low scoring game or hollister in the smash spot with russell wilson as quarterback and what I thought would be a shootout. It didn't turn out to be a shootout. So I'm like, you know what? I don't care if Singletary gets 20 touches. His his ceiling is, you know, he's had like one touchdown in the last five weeks. I'm like, what, what am I really going to miss out on? I, if, if he gets 12 points again, I, I can live with that. So wind up working out. Yeah, and yeah, and Hollister obviously um, going up against that, the, you know, the the um, turnstile defense for tight ends uh, in the Arizona Cardinals. So you had to love that matchup too, and especially in a tight end premium league, it made a lot of sense uh, to start Hollister there as well. So good call on that. Let's talk about the other tight end that you had in your lineup, uh, Tyler Higby. You mentioned him earlier and uh, how he might have been the uh, catalyst for you winning this half million dollar grand prize. Nine catches for 104 yards against a pretty good defense on Saturday night. And this was after Gerald Everett had returned to the lineup after he was hurt. Total non-factor. It was all about Higby. Where do you think, as you look forward to 2020 drafts, where do you think Higby ranks uh, among the tight ends? I don't know if I'd put him in the top three yet, but he's got to be way higher than he was last year. Yeah, I mean, they gave him a contract extension the preseason, so I led you to believe that he was the guy they they liked. But Everett's, I mean, talent-wise, you, you watch him on film, um, he just looks more electric, you know, Higby's more like Gronk. This guy's more like, you know, like 
Jordan Reed or whatever back in the day. So like I, I'm guilty of like when uh, Everett broke out, I was dying for a tight end in so many leagues. I dumped my fab on Everett after that one big game against Seattle earlier in the year. And uh, that did not work out so well. So I have to think the Rams are desperate to save cap space and they don't have any draft picks. I have to, I'm hoping they trade Everett. I don't want them to bring both back next year. You know what I mean? Cause right. Right. Who knows? And I mean, Goff, if you look at Goff, he likes to throw the cup in the middle of the field. So, yeah, I, I think Higby's top 10, definitely, if, you know, if Everett's, even if Everett comes back, maybe, but I, I don't know. I mean, you have to think they're going to release Cooks or they have to do something salary cap wise. So, but yeah, he, uh, he passes the eyeball test. That's all you can do is you watch him play and this guy looks like, you know, Gronk out there a little bit. Mike, you've been playing uh, high-stakes fantasy football for a long time. Um, when you, uh, you know, sort of stepped it up and, and decided, you know, I'm, I'm doing really well in my local leagues, my basement leagues with my friends, my buddies, whatever, I want to try to test the waters uh, in, in the high-stake landscape. Did, was there a learning curve for you? Um, did, did you enjoy, you know, some, some um, modicum of success right away? Uh, how long did it take before you were kind of dialed in and, and really knew what you were doing in, in order to draft these juggernaut squads? Yeah, no, I, I, I got, you know, my clock cleaned the first couple of years. I was new to fab bidding, free agent bidding, and uh, the tight end premium and trying to decide, you know, 20-man rosters and, 10-man starting lineups, and you're going against the best of the best of these guys who have been doing it for years. So, uh, you know, getting an idea of, you know, when to draft people, how much to spend in free agency. So, it's like, yeah, I, I didn't do well the first year. I think the second year I might have made the playoffs but didn't win. But um, I, even though I didn't win, obviously I, I love fantasy football, and I, I just love your format. It's I won't ever play anything but your contests and uh, – you guys all do a great job there. So it's like uh, I said, I'm sticking with this, and like gradually, it all like the late bulb started to come on, and you just get a better feel of how to handle the draft and free agency, and then it just comes down to you know week 14 through 16. Right. Yeah. And and, and, and in that uh, vein, as we talk about the championship round. Do you find yourself um, agonizing, analyzing, um, really pouring over your starting lineups in the championship round more than you do in like week one or week five or week nine or anything like that? Um, uh, what's sort of your philosophy on that? And are, are you willing to, to you know, bench a stud for, that has been struggling for a guy that has a prime matchup who's been playing well that maybe doesn't have the pedigree that, that some of these other guys do? How do you, what's sort of your philosophy on those two aspects of championship round lineups, Mike? Yeah, championship round is like you hope to have like a no-brainer roster with no injuries so you don't have to make any decisions. But inevitably, like uh, last year when you had me on, like I – I benched Ebron the final weekend. Uh, you know, Ebron was having a good year, and they was just, in a, you know, Ebron had whatever, 14 TDs. You benched him. I'm like, you just looked at the snap count. And I was just like, I, you know, I don't trust him. I can't afford a zero. And like this year, it's like every year there's more and more data out there with uh, the matchups. You're looking at snap counts, targets, time of possession, pace they run, like, I had to choose between Gold and uh, Robbie Gold and Butker as my two kickers, and I was going through all their logs, home and road splits, and how many you – know, Butker had six games with three field goals, but he was at Chicago. I'm like, yeah, you when you have that much money on the line, like five points – it didn't happen this year, but, like, 
you make a five point scoring mistake, it could drop you, you know, five spots in the rankings. So, um, try to leave no stern, no stone unturned, but you still got to go with your gut. Like I say, you like to go down with your guys and I just try to decide, you know, what decision you're willing to live with. If it's the wrong decision, you know, I'm listening. I'm totally with you on that. I, I always, I've, I've said this to people in the past when, when, um, it's sort of saying the same thing as you are, but in a different way where I say, well, what, what would I be less ticked off about if, 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 you know, if play, if I bench player a for player B and uh, player a goes off, am I going to be more ticked off or or vice versa? You know what I mean? And, and some of these decisions, you know, I don't, here's a perfect example on your squad. You started Carson Wentz over Andy Dalton. Um, a total wrong decision, apparently, because Dalton went off for 39. But you couldn't, I mean, you could not have even been thinking about starting Dalton over Wentz. I mean, it. it I, I'm sure it didn't even enter into your mind. Well, that, that, that was part two to your question. So, yes, that I picked him up at week 13 because uh, I was light at quarterback. And I saw he had a week 16 matchup. You're, like, you're scouting out. Once you get to this level, you know how much money's on the line. You're scouting out all the matchups, weeks 14 through 16. So, there's reports A.J. Green was progressing. He could be coming back. Dalton just came back in his first game, and they won their first game. So I picked up Dalton specifically for that Week 16 game against Miami. But to your point, like I, A.J. Green didn't come back. They lost Tate. There was weather concerns. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I already got Boyd going. I'm like, I I cannot live with myself if I start Andy Dalton and lose 500000 even though Wentz has like nobody's throwing to, um, and yeah, trust me. Well, in, in when that four, one o'clock game was over and Dalton scored whatever forty points, and Wentz was still in like a lowest scoring, boring game in the fourth quarter, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but I can live with that. I right. Can, I can live right. with going with Wentz. Wentz had two good weeks in a row, so. And and he st- and he, you know they, they obviously they had the lack of receivers, but he still had Ertz. He still had Goddard. I mean, two of the best tight ends out there. And and again, if if Dalton tanks, there's a good chance Tyler Boyd tanks as well. And now it's not affecting one spot in your lineup; it's affecting two spots. So I I, I totally yes. get that. Like I said, it's all about what you can uh, what you can live with. Um, moving forward to 2020, Mike, um, do you think uh, there's anybody who? And, and I'll frame the question like this. Maybe he had a down year this year that, that um, is going to cause them to tumble down draft boards that might turn that turn them into a sleeper, you know, a bounce-back type player. Um, and then a, a player that maybe crushed it this year uh, that, that is going to go way high, uh, much higher than he did uh, this past year, that you think might be overvalued as far as drafts go for 2020. All right. You re- I prepared a different answer. No, you go ahead. No, answer, it that, answer it with that answer, with the one that you have. Wait, I you had, uh, you had talked about uh, sleepers, anybody. Um, so I was going to say, A, sleepers would be anybody that played for Adam Gase this year and winds up somewhere else. Or like, <laughs> any Jet players, or if they fire him, because, it, I mean, between Devontae Parker and Tannehill and Kenyon Drake, all guys that he, like, smothered, and then they, they go somewhere else and they blow up. It's like, I was all in on Chris Herndon this year. I, I took him on every team almost is like my sleeper tight end, even though he was injured and it's, I can't blame that on gaze, but like he killed Le'Veon Bell and Robbie Anderson. Like, yeah, it's so maybe one guy, maybe Le'Veon Bell, if he gets out of there, goes somewhere else or the Jets bring in somebody else. He's one guy who disappointed who may wind up doing better. 
But um, for sleepers, I'm looking at all the young tight ends that um, Johnny Smith, Herndon again, like Blake Jarwin, Ian Thomas, because I, I always do seem to do well with running back and receivers. I, I place my premium on that, and I, I try to gamble on finding the late breakout tight end. It didn't work out this year, but next year there's a bunch of guys that, um, you know, Dallas Goddard is another guy I was all in on picking them late. And uh, he came on late, but it, it didn't work out early on. Mike, in your format, right. especially, you need you need a tight end. I got lucky with Higby, but uh, I was starving for tight ends in most of your uh, leagues this year. Well, and, and even well, and uh, Hollister, which was a nice little get for you yes. too. Uh, after uh, I can't think of the guy who went down with this. Uh, yeah, I picked Disley, up Disley in a bunch of leagues, and I thought that was like my my lucky charm. Like, oh my god, yes, I I, I got gold here, and then all of a sudden he went down. I'm like, oh man, I can't catch a break. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's it's totally rough sometimes. It, you you just got to keep grinding it out, and if you do, usually good things will eventually happen. Uh, Mike, is there anybody that that you might be staying away from? You know, somebody um, like I said that that busted out uh, this. I I think about Aaron Jones, where he's going to go next year. Christian McCaffrey obviously had a massive season. He can't really go any higher uh, in drafts than he did this this past year. But Aaron Jones was was a was a massive value as you know to your point of being uh, on your team. Anybody else that you think might be a little bit overdrafted by high stakes players next year? And maybe you don't think Aaron Jones will be too. I just wanted to get your opinion on that. I will never say anything bad about Aaron Jones. You can take him <laughs> first overall, and I would not criticize that move. Um, no, you look at this year's. I mean, other than McCaffrey, all the big studs—Barkley, Kamara, Elliott—everybody thought they were slam dunks. They really. I mean, Barkley has looked good the last two weeks. I know he got hurt. Kamara, he had a good game this past week. He hasn't looked the same. Elliott, I, I, I don't know. It's like yeah, those those guys are all still going to be the top running backs, but they did not have, you know, a, a strong, solid, clean season. It's like, uh, I don't know how you rank everybody after McCaffrey um, right now. I mean, you, obviously the off season, everybody will heal and things like that. But uh, like most of the drafts all went one, two, three, four, those four guys, maybe they still go the same, but you got Michael Thomas now right, right. coming on. Um, who knows? I've, uh, what's his name? Kareem Hunt goes somewhere else, then Chubb gets the whole, you know, load there. He's got to be up there. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I already, can't wait, for, I already can't wait for next year. I would imagine, yes. you know. Um, big fan, but big injury risk with him too. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, getting back to because people want to know about your draft strategy in the main event. Um, do you? Is it simply all right? I'm just gonna, you know, make sure I don't get skunked on tight end build my running backs and receivers up, add a couple of quarterbacks on, you know, later on in the draft. Is that sort of your philosophy? Are you trying to have a set number of players at a certain position by a certain point in the draft? Or, I mean, how, how do you, when you're drafting a, one of these main event teams, how do you approach the the strategy of the construction of it? Yeah, like this team, I started receiver, receiver. Um, other teams, I started running back, running back. It, it's typically best player available and guys that, you know, you don't want to blow your first round pick and I don't care about ADP. It's like your first round pick has got to be your guy, someone you love. So um, if it means taking somebody three spots ahead of where they should be, it's, it's your guy. Like I'll still never forget the, um, I think it was the first year I did your main event contest where um, Doug Martin, he had to break out rookie year for Tampa. So he was like the consensus, like number two pick. And I got to 
number two pick for like my first main event draft you're doing. And I, I still just something about him. I did not like, I didn't trust, but everybody's like, Oh, you got to take him. And meanwhile, I'd always been like a Calvin Johnson, like Homer. Like, he's my boy. I'd always took him no matter what. And I'm, I'm like, Oh, I got to I got to take Doug Martin here. Like, everybody says he's the number two pick. And yeah, he wound up being a bust that second year. And Calvin just went on smashing like he normally did. So like after that, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, you got to go take your guys. Don't, yeah, don't guys. take somebody yeah. because everybody else says they're the guy you should take. And you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's your team, you know? So yeah. you got, you know, I, I always, I always like that too, where I, I'm open to advice. I want to know what other people are thinking, but I'm not going to let other people dictate what I do in, in my draft. You know, it's, it's always good to get a wide breadth of opinions and you know, the wisdom of the crowd. But at the same point, I want to cheer for the guys that that you know I believe in. I, I want to root for the guys that that um, that I believe are going to give me the best chance to win. And going with your gut is usually not a, a bad decision on that. I don't know if you have any regrets with this team, Mike, given that it, it won a half million bucks. But is there anything that um, and, and we'll we'll talk about just fantasy football, your fantasy football season in general in 2019. Is there anything that you wish you would have done differently this year? Do you have any regrets about you know maybe some of your other teams that that uh, that came up short, or was was this you know five hundred thousand dollars was was this the magic elixir? Is that going to cover up uh, all all the bad feelings you might have had about your teams this year? Yeah, so I can tell you there was one glare. Um, error with this team and people are probably like shocked when they hear what I did but um, like I've always disliked Melvin Gordon I, I just I don't know not always but I just after last year he was breaking down he had the holdout going um, I was listening to Schefter like, before the preseason and everybody it seemed like the consensus was this was going to go the full 10 games he was not coming back to week 11 so in this draft I took um, Eckler at the 6.2 and I had in my mind, okay, I have to take Gordon to protect him if he's there next round in round seven. So it comes around, comes around, comes around, and all of a sudden, like, Singletary's there from Buffalo. And obviously, they'd already released um, McCoy. So I'm like, ah. I'm like, I don't know here. I can have Singletary for 10 weeks versus Gordon. If Gordon comes back, are they, are they even going to play him? You know what I mean? What, what's his motivation? I'm like, I'm like, let me let me try to get cute and see if, you know, I was picking seven eleven and eight two, so I was like, let me see, let me let me take Singletary here. Maybe I get Gordon back at the eight two, and no, Gordon went, <laughs> Gordon went before my next pick. The guy picking at the uh, turn took him, and I was just like, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna regret this. And once he came back early, you know, he reported early. I was like, I was distraught i was like oh my god this is going to be the worst decision i ever made this is going to come back to bite me but um wound up wound up not mattering but it was it was uh something i kept looking back on for like three months it is gonna be the team the team was doing well and i was like i'd be so nice to have gordon if if they're giving him the load you know the rest of the year it's, you know, you talk about those Chargers running backs. It's going to be fascinating to see because neither one of those guys might be a Charger next year. Eckler and, and Gordon, both free being free agents, they might sign elsewhere. And then we might be talking about a completely different, you know, maybe one of these young running backs uh, that are coming up in the draft. That the, the chart, you know, they, they obviously sunk up uh, an early round pick and uh, first round pick into Melvin Gordon. Maybe they do it again this year with, 
you know, DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor or, you know, any of these guys that that, that are, you know, expected to be uh, first or second round picks. We'll see what happens there. And we'll see what, yeah. what people do in drafts, obviously, with Eckler and Gordon. If they are if they're on new teams, um, that that could change their value drastically as well. Um, it's going to be fascinating yeah. to watch. Um, yeah, I, it was border, it was borderline criminal that they like shelled Eckler like, like those last whatever three or four weeks. Like I mean, you, anybody watches the game, he's got more juice than Gordon. It it should have been more 50-50 or something. Because like even in this game against the Raiders, like they were trailing, and I have Eckler going, and I'm like, why is Gordon? Why are they throwing the ball to Gordon? You know, it's like I don't know. I don't I don't get it. I would have had Eckler in there more often, but. I also drafted Debo Samuel on this team just uh, for other regrets. I drafted Debo Samuel and wound up cutting him, I think, for Dante Pettis midseason. Uh, so that's, uh, that's another regret. But Well, and, and, and oh, like it, it goes to show uh, to everybody in this, like, you know, people think, or a lot of people think, not everybody, that in order to, to win a national contest like this, you have to be flawless. And yes. you know, in the last five minutes of this podcast, you just explained you don't have to be because you you said you you obviously missed on Melvin Gordon after you wanted to get him. Uh, you cut uh, Debo Samuel uh, in this league, which which would have been huge down the stretch too. So I mean, you you don't have to be flawless. Everybody will make mistakes. It just matters, you know, if you if you make enough right decisions uh, like you did, uh, you'll come out on top. Um, we've been talking a lot about 2020 drafts, uh, but before you get to that, we obviously have the uh, the world famous FFPC playoff challenge coming up uh, here uh, after week 17. Everybody will be filling in their lineups there. We we know almost every team in the playoffs uh, thus far. Do you, Mike? I mean, you've you've had some success in this challenge before. Do you have any um, sleepers that uh, that that you're willing to to share that that you're going to look at uh, in any of your playoff challenge lineups this year that you think uh, could de- go deep in the NFL playoffs? Uh, well, I wouldn't say it's a sleeper, but I, I would have to think going as the playoffs look right now. Everybody has like for Kansas City, it's Mahomes and Tyreek or Kelsey, like. For each team, you can pick who their top players will be. For the Packers, it'll be Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. I think the one mystery team is San Fran because every week it could be Sanders. It could be Kittle. It could be Debo. You know what I mean? It could be Garoppolo. I think that, that's the one team where there's it's not a real solid number one clear-cut decision. So I would have to think the winner for this contest is going to make the right call on San Fran. I, I, I like that offense. I love their coach. I have to think. It's going to be them and the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. So um, I, I would have to think that somewhere on that San Fran team is going to be you, you unlock the right pick there, and that's that'll help you win. Or maybe it's Mostert it too. It, it could, you know, yes. who knows? Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think um, that San Francisco pick is is going to be very very crucial. Um, we're gonna next week on on this show. I'm gonna we're gonna preview the the playoff challenge and and sort of get into that and and we'll know who the teams are and sort of the path that's uh, that's going to be set up. Going to be a very very fun playoffs, especially in the NFC with so many really good teams. And then in the AFC, you, you know, you can't count out the Patriots. Obviously, you got the reigning MVP in Kansas City over there, and then probably this year's MVP in Lamar Jackson having home field throughout this is going to be one of the most huh? exciting playoffs I, I think i can remember in recent memory and do you fade the patriots the pa- patriots do not pass the eyeball test i know they're home but they could be one and done if if kansas city goes there second round I, but I, we'll have to see what the seeding is going to be but um i wouldn't be surprised at all if uh if kc goes in there for that first playoff game the patriots are one and done 
Well, and, and Mike, you know, to that to that end, who are you picking off the Patriots? You know, because exactly. I, I think a lot of people, it's always been Edelman. Well, he's really banged up right now. I don't know if you really want to put your playoff challenge hopes on that. And obviously they've had this historic defense this year, but are you going to play the Patriots defense when they might have to play Kansas City and Baltimore? I mean, how much how much is there to gain from that? I I think that uh, and then obviously Brady is not you know Tom Brady of of um, uh, of his prime too. So I think that there is a there's a there's a lot of landmines on that New England squad, and maybe fading the Patriots is is the smart decision. We'll all know in about a month or so. Uh, Mike, you have been very gracious with your time. I certainly appreciate. Uh, you uh, taking uh, taking the time out of your day after after a sleepless night last night of, of celebration uh, to talk a little fantasy football here. I know uh, all the listeners will will really appreciate this and and sort of you know how you built your team, how you managed it, and uh, how you won the half million. Final question before I let you go: Do you have any plans for that five hundred thousand dollars? What are you going to be using that money for? Yeah, I was I hadn't thought about it because I didn't want to jinx myself, right. but uh, I mean I also want to get a. Uh, the basement finished in my girlfriend's house. So I have my own little man cave over there to watch football. So I don't have to compete with her daughter for the TV. So that, <laughs> that, that's first on the list, but uh, yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't know. Obviously maybe a nice vacation and something nice, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to recommendations. I never came into, you know, a big win like this. We'll, we'll crowdsource it. Oh, we'll, we'll get, uh, we'll get people's yes. opinions and, and we'll get back to you on that. I'm going to let you take a nap or continue to ride the high, whatever you want to do, man. It's all about you this week. Congratulations on that half million in that FFPC main event overall title. Well-deserved. Uh, I'm glad you got one under your belt now. And uh, thanks so much for, uh, for uh, talking with me today. Uh, really appreciate it, dude. Happy holidays to you and your family. Yeah. You guys are the best. I appreciate everything. And uh, yeah, have a nice holiday and new year. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.